What's up, everybody? It's Jason Langstorff here with another episode of Two Friends Talking About Things. In this episode, Nate and I got onto the topic of optimization. Specifically, we picked up on a quote from Derek Sivers about what you're optimizing your life for. And that got us launched on talking about what we're optimizing for now, what we've optimized for previously, and how that optimization has evolved over time. Um, we also talk about some pretty major changes in our lives as uh, as things shake up going into 2017. So we'll start this right at the beginning, right when we started recording with uh, Nate giving us a quote from Derek Sivers. Okay, so here's the deal. I was listening to this podcast, and it's a guy named Jeff Goins, and he has a website, uh, Goins Writer, G-O-I-N-S, writer.com. And he's, uh, I met him once at a conference. It was at a WDS, the uh, World Domination Summit, which is what Chris Gillibo runs in Portland. Okay. So I met Jeff there. Um, So I'm listening to his podcast and he quoted another guy uh, that I've, I've read quite a bit of his stuff. His name is Derek Sivers. And Derek used to run, he founded and ran a website called CD Baby. So it was like music distribution for independent artists back when CDs was like a thing, right? I, yeah. So I actually remember CD baby cause I used it with my first band. No, um, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. We use CD baby because, uh, this was before you could like sell music on iTunes or get it on Spotify or like none of that shit existed. So the only way to sell music online was to use either your own horrible, like slap together mail order system or you sold your stuff on CD, baby. That's crazy. Okay, I, I didn't. I didn't know that you used it. That makes sense, though. So I was. So I was listening to this uh, podcast that Jeff Goins did, and he quoted Derek Sivers. And Derek Sivers was also speaking at the World Domination Summit, and he said something that I thought was really interesting. So I wanted to talk to you about it. And I have no idea where this is going to go, but I think it would be a fun. I, th- I thought it'd be a fun conversation to have. Okay. So Derek said. Uh, as like a serial entrepreneur, he's like the number one most important thing you need to know is why you are doing what you're doing. And Derek broke that up into like three different categories and there are infinitely more categories than this. But he said, as an entrepreneur, you can chase fame. So notoriety, internet fame, whatever you can chase money. So getting as much money as humanly possible, or you can chase freedom and that's the ability to kind of like do what you want when you want now he seems to suggest that all three of those uh, are very 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 difficult if not impossible to have at the same time and that once you define what it is that you're trying to do like why are you doing what you're doing you need to optimize your life for that because basically Mm -hmm. if you try to chase all three at once you're going to get nowhere but if you really decide that you want money, for instance, you will make decisions that will get you to that end goal. Um, but it won't necessarily give you freedom. And the same thing, if you're chasing freedom, you would make a whole different set of decisions based on that. And what he was saying at the conference is that in his experience, a lot of people just do things because they think that's what they're supposed to do. So they're at that conference and 5% of the people in that conference may fucking hate conferences. They Mm -hmm. hate people and they just want to be at home drinking tea and making money, but they don't admit this to themselves. So that's the starting point. And that's the interesting thing that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm curious what, and we can both kind of hit this, but like, what are you optimizing your life for now? 
and what have you done? What have you optimized for in the past? Hmm, man. And, I, <laughs> and do you even think that's a valid thing that Derek said that you can maybe only like those, those are the three things you can go after and it's difficult, if not damn impossible to get all three at the same time. Yeah. I, I think, um, I guess it would depend on, on like how you're defining go like optimize for all three, because I, I would agree that it's really, really hard to work on gaining recognition, increasing your income and increasing your freedom all at the same time. However, I wouldn't necessarily argue that like, if you go after one, you'll have to make, make decisions that compromise the other two. Um, I think you just kind of have to put the the things that you're not focusing on into maintenance mode. Um, and this is something that you and I have talked about in like refocus when we're talking about the idea of, of having like one priority. Um, I think this, this sort of touches on the same thing where you, you kind of have to choose what the most important thing is and let everything else go into a, a sort of maintenance mode where you focus on growing one area and while you will try to keep other areas from getting worse, you definitely don't put any effort into making them better. Okay. Um, so let's, let, let me ask you then. So what do you feel like right now you're optimizing your life for? If we're just going to use the words that Derek used. Um, I, right now I'm honestly, I'm optimizing for fame and I, I don't like saying that out loud because it, it feels super vain, but really where, <laughs> where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm in the position where I've spent the last three years optimizing my life for freedom. Um, I wanted to get away from being tied to my computer. I wanted to get away from being tied to, you know, my company and, and living paycheck to paycheck the way that I did, which sounds like money, but, but really I didn't care about making more money. I just wanted to have enough money to not need to like be on the computer 90 hours a week. Um, so now what I'm doing is, uh, I'm, I'm in the process right now of accepting an offer with IBM and I'm doing that for a couple reasons. The, the first one is I have really liked, um, when I was working for precision nutrition, having access to the kinds of resources to do big, cool shit and not have to worry about like, Oh my God, I can't afford this tool or I can't talk to this expert because their consulting rate is way out of my range. Like I was, I just had a budget to go and solve these problems and I love that. So going with IBM gives me that. But most importantly, where I'm at in my career right now is I feel like the next step for me is to try to be a resource to as many people as possible because I think my career has been good and I think the lessons I've learned have been, um, I mean, obviously to me, they've been really helpful, but I, I, when I talk to other people, especially younger entrepreneurs, the stuff that I'm learning and the, the things that I do every day to keep myself sane and to keep myself successful have been valuable to other people. So, um, when I say I'm optimizing for fame, I'm, I'm optimizing for platform. Like I, I want to get this job at IBM to be able to get my foot in the door at more places because IBM is a household name and when I say, hey, you're running a conference, I would like to speak, and I'm working with IBM, it gives me a lot more credibility than if I'm like, hey, I'm some dude, I'm pretty good at this, and you should let me speak. 
Um, so I'm, I'm trying to leverage that to get my foot in more doors, build my network and get, uh, more of a name for myself by kind of leveraging the, the brand power of IBM. Why is that important to you? Like why, I guess, why, why do you want a platform? Uh, because I, I feel like, um, I, the thing that always makes me feel the best is when I can like solve a problem with a, like a reproducible solution. So when I, like if I figured out how to make myself happy, that's great. If I can figure out a way to apply the lessons that I've learned so that other people can reproduce the same happiness that I've reproduced, that means that I'm onto something big. To me, like it, it feels like I've solved a problem that wasn't just me dealing with my own shit. It's me solving a problem and creating a framework around it that would la- allow anybody who is in the same situation to potentially get a, that same positive outcome. And from a like feeling like my life matters standpoint, solving my own problems and dying happy is like goal number one. Um, And I feel like I'm always going to be working on that. But where I feel like a lot of that happiness will come from is from being in a position to try and spread that. And to me right now, the the solution is to build a platform where I can try to test and share more of my own solutions to see if they're reproducible and to try to refine them so that they are reproducible uh, so that, you know, more and more people can can. help me refine this stuff and, and make it into something that helps people as opposed to just helping me. Mm. I feel like right now I'm, since you're not going to ask me a question, you're just gonna <laughs> since, 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 since you're going to act like this is an interview or something instead of like a conversation. Cause you're sorry, a prick. Sorry, Nate. Uh, you think this is just the Jason Langstorff show and I'm just interviewing you? Uh, I, I thought that was how we've set this up. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, Sorry, Nate. Let me, let me, let me, t- let me step back. Nate, what are you optimizing your life for? I'm not going to answer that anymore. <laughs> um, I think for a while there, uh, I think early in my career, I was optimizing for platform, if you want to call it that, or fame. Um, mm-hmm especially when I first started my career in the fitness industry and I was like 21, 22, 23, right? Like when built for show, my, my fitness book came out, I was 23. And I remember like going to the bookstore just to like check and see if the book was still there and I'd go autograph copies of it or whatever. And I was like building this blog at the time. Um, and I was working for T nation and I had like this, my, my readership, my audience was growing and it allowed me to have some money and some freedom, but like, that's kind of what I was going for. And then it was like, 2010-ish, I joined Precision Nutrition kind of on the back end, right? So I was kind of behind the scenes now. And uh, the idea of like having fame or whatever uh, as like, I'm going to use my, I'm going to use the third person here, but having like Nate Green be the face of something uh, wasn't as important to me anymore. And it was about growing, like helping grow this company, uh, PN into something that helped a lot of people. And I think that was a really good move for me because I, I feel like I got over my ego a little bit and it was really a cool opportunity to help other people, uh, like, you know, help Dr. John Berardi. He's the face or was the face or whatever you want to say of precision nutrition. So I kind of fell off the radar for a bit. And I think a lot of people 
like I wasn't writing as much on my blog at all. Um, I wasn't creating any new like products or courses or writing any new books really. And so I fell off a little bit and people didn't really know where I went. Uh, the, the people that were following me. And I feel like now I'm kind of back. Uh, and, and in a weird way, I think working with Precision Nutrition, even though I wasn't chasing like personal platform or fame. And let, let's be honest about when we, when we talk about fame, we're talking about like a very low, low, low level of like Z-list internet celebrity fame, right? Well, yeah. And I think that, and that was why I, um, I changed Pla- the phrasing to be platform. Cause I, yeah, I think I, that's like, way I, better. I in no way would consider myself to be famous, um, but in the the small circles where I operate, I want to be able to speak and have someone say, "I've you know I'm familiar with that topic. I read it on your blog." Like absolutely, that's that's more the what I mean. Yeah, I think what both of us mean when we say fame. It's, it's platform, yeah, yeah, not fame. Yeah. Okay, so in a weird way, uh, I think taking that step back or whatever you want to say, like going behind the scenes allowed me to have more of a platform because now, um, the, where I'm at with my life right now, I'm advising and consulting with a lot of companies, uh, mm-hmm. in the health and fitness industry and then outside of the health and fitness industry. And the fact that I, I worked for PN for so long and helped grow it into, into where it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that helped me out a lot, kind of like what you're trying to do with IBM right now, which is it gave me more of a platform and more credibility, if you want to call it that, because people look at PN and they go, Oh, like this company obviously knows what they're doing. This guy like helped with their marketing and strategy. So obviously he must know what he's doing. So we're going to pay more attention to him. And that allows me now to go out and help more people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I think that's a really good point because it, um, it's a good example of where something that you didn't, there was like an unintended benefit. Yeah. I didn't Um, set out to do that. And so, so much of what I think what I think happened in my career planning is I would always only look at immediate benefits or, or like explicit benefits. Mm -hmm. So when I was working for myself, I would seek out a contract for like, you know, I did some stuff for Intel and PlayStation. And the way that I would do that is I would specifically try to get a contract so that I could immediately put it on my website that I built a thing for this company. Um, and then when I, when I, fi- when I sold Copter and, uh, Copter Labs is my design agency. When I sold that and took that position as a, a contractor for PN, um, my, my intended benefit, my, like the explicit benefit was lower stress, uh, better working conditions, like more control over my time, basically freedom. Mm-hmm. And the unintended benefit was that like network effect of now I've worked for this company that is killing it, growing super fast. Uh, you know, the people that I met through that, the access to network that I had because of that. And, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned this before in a, a previous conversation, um, that your experience with PN in having worked there and being able to like step out of PN on good terms and have it almost act as a springboard Mm-hmm. Uh, despite no intention of initially doing that, where you could move on and get big consulting projects for other big fitness companies. Um, that was an inspiration for me in in taking the IBM position because I don't know that two years ago I would have even, I don't even know if I would have considered it. I think I would have just hard passed right up front because it was a job. Well, I think, I think there's something to be said too for uh, 
like I feel very, very fortunate. Um, and, and some, I mean, most of it's luck. Some of it is, you know, the connections I've made and I guess aptitude or skills that I've built, but I feel very fortunate that I've been able like that. I had a little bit of success early on, like when I was like, I had that book come out when I was 23 and like, and I had a chip on my shoulder and I was a little bit, you know, I had, had an ego, like, I guess like what, what 23 year old doesn't have an ego. Um, but I'm glad that I experienced that because, uh, it allowed me to go, Oh, like this is it. Like obviously people that are like super, super famous or super successful have million dollar book deals. They probably, they're on a whole different level, but I got a, a small taste of what success looked like or what a little bit of like platform or, or, you know, internet Z list fitness celebrity fame looks like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, like it's kind of cool, but not really. Um, and I'm glad that I had that opportunity and because now I don't feel like I chase it as much, right? Like I, I know what it's like. And I know all the people that have that and like their lives are basically the same, uh, as anyone else's. Maybe they just have a little bit more money, a little bit more freedom. Um, but I feel like you went through that same thing. Like, like the fact that you are taking the IBM thing or, or at least at this point you're like strongly considering it right is, uh, because you've had freedom the last couple of years, you've known, you right. know what it's like to go travel around the world and live in Airbnbs and make your own schedule and do whatever. And so now it's like, this is a new challenge and mm-hmm. something that will help you build a bigger platform, but you probably wouldn't be chasing this. You, you probably wouldn't be super excited to go get like a quote unquote real job. Um, no matter how influential the company, um, if you hadn't experienced the kind of freedom that you, that you thought you wanted. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true, um, and I, I think I think that's kind of um, it's a it's a good point to bring up, which is that I I think with this whole like optimizing for fame or money or freedom, um, it, it's so important to constantly reassess which one you're optimizing for, mm. um, because you know like like I said, my path started with optimizing for for money. Um, cause I wanted to own my own company and all that stuff. And then I optimized for freedom when I got sick of that. And now I'm optimizing for platform because I, I feel like I want to do, you know, I want to do more and I'm sure at some point I'm going to like want to optimize in other directions. And I, I feel like you've kind of been in the same boat. You optimize for platform first and then you optimize for, um, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, when you went to PN, you changed what you were optimizing for. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're you're changing again. So, you know, I, I think it's it's a it's always a point of adjustment. And sometimes it could be both. Like maybe when you went to PN, you were optimizing for money and freedom. Um, mm. And like when I'm going to IBM, I'm also optimizing for money and platform. Like, you know, it's it's not like I'm taking a giant pay cut to go over there. It's like a um, hybrid. Yeah, it's like a yeah. hybrid approach. Well, I think yeah. uh, it's interesting now, like, like, so you said you didn't, didn't want to put words in my mouth. Like at this point right now, I feel like I'm optimizing for, I guess you could say freedom. I don't know. I feel like it's a hybrid still. Um, but freedom to me, like, I think just because like, you know, Rochelle and I traveled for about a year and I've, I mean, I, you and I have worked remotely from like our computers for like over a decade now. So yeah. like in terms of freedom of like, of mobility or like setting your own schedule or whatever. Like I've had that for a long, long time and I'm very, Mm -hmm. very fortunate and happy to have that. I I don't think I want to go back to not having that, but maybe, maybe that'll change later. But right now I'm kind of optimizing for freedom. And I, what I mean by that is like, even, 
even from a financial standpoint, even though I'm like interested in making money, I'm actually interested in making money for slightly different reasons now. Um, so freedom to me, I, I guess like the success markers of that is, this is going to sound kind of weird, but like, do you know how much, like, do you have like a dollar amount that I'm not, I'm not talking about like a dollar amount that like you want to make for the rest of your life or that you want invested or you want, you know, whatever. But like I have a dollar amount in my head and I'm like, if we could just have a year's worth of living expenses in the bank and liquid cash at all times, that's mm-hmm. freedom to me. Like, yeah. and, 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 and let's be clear. We're talking about freedom as like <laughs> a couple like 30 year old white dudes that work like in technology and marketing consulting. So like, like you use the word freedom to mean whatever you want it to mean if you're listening to this. But for me, freedom means the ability to make my own decisions. And like, if I, I don't know, if a couple of the clients that I'm working with like fire me and then everyone that reads my blog and, or listens to this podcast, like stops, like I'm not fucked for like a while. That's yeah, freedom to me. That, yeah, exactly. I think that, so that's when I talk about freedom, that's, that's the same kind of thing for me. Like I, I want my decisions to be influenced by what I think is going to be the best thing for me in the long term. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lack of freedom is when you're forced to make short-term decisions um, because you have no other choice. Absolutely. So like when we were younger um, in, you know, in my early twenties, when I worked at Kinko's, that was not what I wanted to do. And it, it, you know, but I didn't have the freedom. I did not have the security. I hadn't put together any savings. I hadn't, you know, I didn't have any formal education or any network that I could, that I could reach out to. So in order to do the things that I wanted to do, which was like build websites and, you know, uh, try to build a blog and, you know, for what the, the, the first of 12 attempts for me to try to build a blog. <laughs> um, but in order for me to do that, I had to take the Kinko's job. Yep. And so freedom now is that I don't have to take the Kinko's job. If I try something crazy and it fails spectacularly, I have a month or two of runway where I can like try to unfuck myself. Well, actually, so I was at a conference in Colorado a couple, like, I guess it was like a month or two ago now, and uh, JB, uh, Dr. John Berardi was there, and uh, we were hanging out, but he went and he gave a keynote, and one of his points, like one of the things that he's learned that really resonated with me uh, was, he called it, give yourself the opportunity to continue. Um, and, and the idea is basically like, like the way that John, the way, the way that he looks at it is he's like, he calls it the Tim Hortons test. And I guess in the, in the, in the States you could call it like the Starbucks test. Cause Tim Hortons is like a famous like coffee shop, like chain in Canada. Yeah. Um, I'm in Canada right now. There's like one on every corner, just like in the U S yeah, exactly. Starbucks. Yeah. Okay. So he calls it the Tim Hortons test and his, his thing is like, um, he wants to own everything like outright. Like, and obviously he's in a great position, but he wants to own his house, his car, whatever, because if precision nutrition just like died today or tomorrow, he would he would like to be able to go get a job at Tim Hortons making a little bit above minimum wage and have enough money to buy food for his family, knowing that everything else is taken care of right now. Like he owns his house, he owns his car, he, you know, whatever else, if he needed to, he could just go get a job at Tim Hortons and be fine. And that's kind of the way that I think of of what I'm doing right now is like, I said, I have a dollar amount and obviously 
like I, I invest like 15% of my income. I give 10%. This is a new thing. I give 10% away to charity, which is fucking weird to me. Cause like I've been making like a decent amount of money for a while. Yeah. And I've just now recently started like really thinking about how to, how to give back. So I dedicated 10% of my net income for the rest of my life to charity. And I'm, uh, Anyway, like side note, I'm, I'm using something called givewell.org uh, to like decide what charities to give to. Um, and we can talk more about that at a different time. But now for me, like the freedom or the give yourself the opportunity to continue is obviously I want those long-term things. Like it'd be nice to, I don't, I don't know, retire or whatever the hell that means when I'm a certain age. But really, I want the freedom to give myself the opportunity to continue. Well, like I said, if shit hits the fan that... I can live for a year, like Rochelle and I can live for a year comfortably uh, and figure out what we're going to do next and not have to fucking scramble. Now, obviously, I'm in a good position because, you know, I've, I've made a decent income for a while. Um, I have her and she keeps me on track and I don't go spend my money on like $500, $500 bottles of whiskey anymore. Um, right. So that that's that's important to me now. And that's the way that I, that I view, I guess, freedom is like what you said. Uh not having to take short-term things at the expense of long-term goals because you absolutely have to. Yeah. So I may be about to go off the rails here, so feel free to, to reel me back in if I, if I get too far out there. But um, I, I had this really interesting like brain teaser that, that Marissa and I did where we tried to come up with a way without buying stuff to spend $500,000 a year. So we were trying to come up with like, you know, what's like, you know, you were talking about having a a financial number, right? So I was thinking um, along the lines of like, okay, well, what if I could make like an unlimited income? You know, what's the most money that I could realistically spend before I would have to start buying material objects like before I would have to start buying big expensive cars or $30,000 watches or things. Yeah, exactly. Like before I have to start making extravagant physical object purchases, what is the, like how much money could I realistically spend? And we couldn't come up with a way to do it because even after you hire a personal chef, even after you hire a stylist, even after you hire a like daily massage, you're still only walking in like the, the $300,000 year range. And that's insane. (laughs) Like if you have that many people hired to help you daily, you're, you are a psychopath and you still can't spend $500,000 a year. Um, so in, in the way that I, the way that I look at it is like where JB wants to own his house outright and own his car outright. I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's, that's brilliant because he has a family. I, however, do not have a family. Yeah. And so like my freedom to continue is knowing that if shit goes sideways for me, I can go take a customer service job that's online mm-hmm. and like telecommute in from Thailand where it'll cost me $500 a month to live. Absolutely. I think uh, so the freedom to continue is an interesting thing because I'm, I'm now I'm starting to think about what that means to me more and more. I want to I want to go on that. But I want to quickly say too, like the the whole income thing is interesting because I mean, we, we've been doing all right for a, for a little while now. But like, dude, I used to make like I used to be a dishwasher. Right. right. And yeah, used to work at, you, yeah. And so like uh, 
and, and then in terms of like, you know, does, does money buy happiness? There's all this research out there that shows like to a certain level, like if you're making 20 K a year and you get up to suddenly making 60 K a year, like that's going to make a big difference in your life. Cause you're now yeah. like not living below the poverty line. But if you make 75 K a year and then you get a raise to 90 K a year, does that really offer you more happiness? Eh, probably negligible. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't even have like huge goals of, of like making money in my head. Like I don't really care as long as it, mm-hmm. I can like meet my monthly expenses and I have, I'm investing and I have a year's worth of, of money liquid in, in, in a bank account. Right. Um, but anyway, so I'm starting to think about more and more, what does this freedom to continue mean? So I think there's the financial aspect of it. So like for you, it's a couple months of runway. And for me, it's like a whole year of liquid cash for Shelly. Well, for I, Rochelle I said- and I. I said a couple months, but I, I actually have about six months of runway. Okay. Um, and so that's, and, and, that's, and, that's my comfort zone is about six months. All right. And that's dependent on, on, you know, people's risk tolerance and how, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, so that, that's all independent. All of this is independent, uh, and individual. But so another thing I started to think about is like, all right, what, what else will give me the opportunity to continue or the freedom to continue? I think that's continuing to build my skills and make connections also. So like mm-hmm. build my skills as a, coach or a marketing strategist or a interviewer or researcher or whatever I want to call myself. So continuing to get better and better at that and be trying to become world-class at a couple of things that gives my, that gives me the opportunity to to continue. Also, Mm -hmm. um, connections, networking, meeting people. And I don't mean networking in the bullshit sense of like going to a conference and handing out business cards. And I'm I'm like over that shit. I don't care. But making meaningful connections with people that are doing interesting, cool things in the world, because those word of mouth connections and, and like that is what I'm building my, my business on and my income on right now is the people I've met over the years. So that's also, but also just in the sense of like, meeting people that you can go and have a good time with. Like I I've realized you and I, well, me, especially I have an extraordinarily small circle of friends. Oh, me too. Um, and you know, but like when I, when I go and meet people who they can call a bunch of different people to go have drinks, it, it kind of boggles my mind because I never like, there are like three people that I would ever call to go have drinks with. And so the idea that, that there are people out there who have dozens of people that they would go out and have a great conversation with, um, that's something I want to get better at is, is having friends that don't necessarily need to be like as close as, as blood relatives, mm-hmm. but people that you can just hang out with and have a great conversation and a good time with, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. So that's another uh, way of giving yourself the opportunity to continue. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, let's like, I don't know, let's play this out a little bit. What, what are some other things to give yourself the opportunity to continue? Oh, you know what? One of them this is kind of a weird one. Uh, when I did that meditation retreat, the idea was like, can you still be happy or, and, and content when you don't have any of the material possessions or things that you would normally use to distract yourself? So if you don't have good books to read or music to listen to or good food to eat or friends to talk to, like, can you still be okay? And, yeah. you know, it's very difficult. Um, but, and, and obviously it's like, you know, it was 10 days. I knew I was going to come back to like my normal life. But in those 10 days, I was like, man, all I really want right now is like someone to talk to and to cook a meal. I don't yeah. need a lot to be happy. And that was a really, really great 
experience for me because I came back to my real life and I was like, fuck, why am I doing all this random stuff to like make a little bit of extra money or to have like chase a little bit more of of fame or whatever? Like it's not necessary. I don't need it. And I just, I just fucking experienced the fact that I don't need it. Yeah. Well, and you know, another thing that, uh, that influenced my, my decision to, um, to go to IBM because it, it honestly, by one measure, but especially by the measure that I set for freedom in 2014 is a giant step back because yeah. I'm about to go, uh, live in Austin, Texas and commute to an office every day mm-hmm. for the first time in, uh, like I haven't had an office job in 10 years. So <laughs> there's, there is a, a slight chance, like, let me just add the disclaimer before I start this job. This may go down in a ball of flames because <laughs> I don't, I don't even remember what a commute is like. And so there's, there is a, a chance that I'm going to spectacularly self-destruct. You're like, what um, the hell is traffic? Right? Yeah. What are all these people um, doing at 9am? But, uh, but so in the idea of building freedom, um, there's another avenue of this that I hadn't really thought about until recently when it started to become more obvious that it was something I missed, which is I don't have hobbies. Um, <laughs> something that I have wanted to do for years is get back into playing music. Um, when I got out of my first, my serious band, the one that toured and stuff, I started a couple like just for fun projects and I loved it. But they fell apart when I moved out of Missoula. I didn't have any musician friends anymore. And I wasn't a serious enough musician to like go out and start meeting actual musicians in Portland. So I didn't know how to meet like hobbyists, you know. Mm. And now that I've been on the road, same thing. Like I never meet musicians. And even if I did, it wouldn't be for a long enough period of time to do anything. We hang out for like a day and then we go separate directions. So in going to Austin, and being stationary for, you know, a year or two, that gives me the actual opportunity to pick up a musical instrument again, hire somebody to teach me how to play it better, and meet some people who want to, like, make some music but not necessarily be rock stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can have a hobby. And I've thought the same way about uh, I want to make I want to make some stuff out of wood. Like, I, I'd love to make some furniture. And like Ron desk. Swanson, you're going to make a canoe? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I, I effectively, I think I, my retirement plan is to become Ron Swanson. Just drink um, a lot of, a lot of scotch, Lagavulin 16 and make some canoes. <laughs> Precisely. Um, but no, I, I thought it would be really fun to, to do some woodworking. Like when I was a kid, I built a couple speaker cabinets and stuff and I always really enjoyed it. Um, but you know, as I got older, I had no access to tools. I didn't have a workshop and now it's completely impractical because I'm always on the move. But you know, there's, there's things to do. They're, they're hobbies. I once got an A in my woodworking class in junior high for not building anything because I sucked at it. And then the teacher came up to me and he was like, Hey, you built a gun rack, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I remember grading it. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, what'd you get on it? I'm like an A. And he's like, cool. You got an A. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just lied. But now I got an A. I don't know that that was a lie so much as he was like, all right, I'm going to give this kid an A for not cutting off his fingers. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that was a lie. (laughs) So working on not doing that anymore. Um, Yeah. Anyway, that was just what I thought of when you were talking about woodworking. So you you want more hobbies and you're like, if I go to one place, this creates the freedom for me to do that. Absolutely. Um, Whereas my previous, my previous circumstances did not create an environment where any, any hobbies other than like, 
travel. reading and writing. Yeah, reading, writing, travel, that kind of thing. And I am good at those hobbies. Like I and I don't intend to trade those. Like we're we're going to continue to travel. We have the the means to do that and I I made that uh like kind of part of the terms of my employment is that I I do intend to spend at least some time every year out and about, but I you know, my trade is I'm going to be in an office. Mm-hmm. Um but I really I feel like I'm coming out on top because, you know, we may not be able to travel full time, but I will be able to uh, get a little bit of travel and also have a community again. You know, well, and also meet people eat, and and eat, play music and all that stuff. Well, then you're gonna be in Austin, so you're gonna eat great barbecue and drink some whiskey. It, um, yeah, like it's not like my you know my food hobby doesn't go away either. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and the fact that you can do like, you've already traveled, you've already been traveling a full time, so you don't. I mean, you may decide to do that later on, but it's like yeah, the, the whole optimizing for a platform thing now is like. You go back to IBM or you go work this job. You may like it. You may hate it, whatever. You'll, you'll figure that out soon enough and then mm-hmm. you'll make a whole bunch of new decisions. But right. maybe you want to go do long-term travel again later on. But this is like a, a, like a little detour where you work at IBM for a couple of years and then you go do more high-end consulting or you start your own thing, whatever that is again. Right. But, yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, I was explaining this to to somebody else who asked me. They they looked at me like I was crazy when I said I was going to stop traveling and and mm-hmm. go take an office job. And my my thought process on it and my my reasoning is that this is to me this is a stepping stone. You know, like I I am in a position right now where I can make what I would consider to be a political move. Like mm-hmm. this is this is strategic in that. I love the idea of being part of a company that can affect more people than I can on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a company that has the potential, if if we do something cool enough, it has the potential to put that out into the entire world. The same way that like when Facebook publishes some software platform, like the whole world starts to use it, which is what happened with this uh, this tool they made called React JS, which anybody who does software development has probably heard the name now. And that was like four guys in Facebook who were like, this would be a better way to do software. And they did it and Facebook used it. And now like the whole world changed the way it thinks about programming thanks to those guys having a good idea and a great platform. Mm. Um, so there's potential there to like do big things that have the, the audience and the reach to actually like get a grip. Um, and it, there's also the fact that like, if I go work at IBM as a senior developer for a couple years, when I come out, my consulting rate just doubled. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's either way, it's a win. So I feel like the the thing that I'm taking away from this, and I know we kind of started this conversation talking about like Derek Sivers and he was saying, and I don't, I, don't, I didn't listen to the full, uh, lecture he gave. So I'm not sure if he said you could only chase after these three things or, or whatever, but the thing that I took away from that and then this conversation is you're always optimizing for something whether you know it or not like right. you just you do you, you it's either you choose it or you just kind of go with it and you don't really know right but once you be on once you're honest with yourself like i'm glad that you started off saying that you're like optimizing for fame which we we did say is less fame and more platform like right. having the ability to reach more people and, and help more people um right. so i'm taking I, th- I think that's something I'm taking away from it is like you're, you're optimizing no matter, you know, whether you know it or not mm-hmm. Two, like you need to know what you're optimizing for and to be honest with yourself. Uh, yeah. and three, I really like that idea of the opportunity to continue or freedom to continue. I think that's something I'm all, I'm going to continue to think about after this conversation's over because I think that's super important. Um, 
yeah, if everything goes to shit, uh, how, how do you recover? Right. How do you give yourself the opportunity to recover? Yeah. Well, and I think the, you know, what you said about making sure you know what you're optimizing for or or thinking about that, because there's another optimization that, um, that happens, which is just optimizing for like discomfort or avoidance of discomfort more specifically, Mm. where you're not necessarily trying to make your life better. You're just trying to avoid anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. Optimizing for mediocrity. (laughs) Well, it's, it's kind of what it becomes because when you, when you're optimizing for a lack of discomfort, like at at first it's, I don't want to be starving or I don't want to be homeless, but eventually it starts to be like, I don't want to stand out or I don't want to take risks because you're trying not, you're trying to stay comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, when you always stay comfortable, if that's the only thing you optimize for, eventually you're going to land right in the fucking middle. Um, but and I think that might be a conversation for another day and yeah. maybe with somebody else, because I, I don't know that either of us can really speak to that. Honestly, probably not. Um, yeah. Okay. So we've been going for about 40 minutes. Uh, any, any final thoughts? I mean, I tried to give my final thoughts earlier than you went on a rant. So no, well, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm glad that this turned into a conversation and not Nate interviews Jason though. So thank you. For that. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, you know me, I like to talk. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool, man. Well, I really like this conversation. Um, I am looking forward to probably following up on it because I have other ideas that were way outside of the scope of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see if you take the IBM job and then how it goes, maybe we'll do like a check-in, see how it goes. And then oh, everyone man, at IBM I, will be like, why the hell are you talking about this publicly? You're kind of an asshole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We can just, we can just show the life cycle of my, my like rise and potential decline in, in IBM corporate culture. Yep. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. I'll see you.